recognize our own Carol Edwards there. And man, what a, I, I'm just, I've told you before, I'm, I'm honored, humbled that um, all her and her husband invested into this church uh, back in the 90s. And uh, her husband, Wes, was a pastor here and uh, went to be with the Lord just as we merged seven years ago. It's an honor that she is here, an active part of our church. I'm grateful for her. Amen, amen. So we begin a brand new series today called Pray Bold. Jesus said, whatever things you ask in prayer, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I want that kind of confidence. I want that kind of certainty. I want that kind of bold faith that says, Jesus, I can't understand what all that means, but I believe in what you say and I'll hold to it. I'll believe it and I'll pray bold because of it. Amen. In this series, we're going to learn how to pray differently. My prayer has been for me, our staff and us as a church, that we would enter into new places of boldness in prayer. As I said last week, there is a place for repenting of past sins. There's a place for acknowledging places we failed. But there's also a place of accepting forgiveness for that and moving forward into conquering boldness to tear down strongholds, to pull down truths or or lies that have been held out over truth and have been believed. And I'm believing that for me, my family, our church, and this nation. Amen? It is time for us as a people to be bold in prayer, to start asking and believing what God has already said in his word, to act on that. You know, God could and can do whatever he wants, when he wants, however he wants. He doesn't need anyone to accomplish what he wants to do right? But here is a a sovereign act of God's mercy and grace that he would say, when you ask, it will be done for you. That he would include us in the process of accomplishing his will. That he would say, I'm listening to you. I put my spirit in you. And when you ask, I will hear and heaven will move. I want to be that guy. I want to be that one who believes that truth and it changes how I pray. Amen? Well, that's our series, Pray Bold. And our message today is called Pray Bold and Move Heaven. See, God is so committed to his word and to his people that he will literally move heaven and earth when we ask and believe. I can tell you're not too sure about that yet. By the end of this series, we're going to all feel differently about this. We're going to believe some things differently. Let me say it one more time. When we pray, God moves heaven and earth. I'm going to say it every time we pray. He moves heaven and earth. You might not see it, you might not understand it, but the passage we look at today will confirm it. God moves heaven and earth when you pray. 
turning your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10. I'm not putting these verses on screen today. We're going through the passage. I'm going to read it. If you've got a Bible, turn to it. Daniel chapter 10 in the Old Testament. If you've got a, uh, an app on your phone, feel free. Help yourself. I'm going to be using the New, the new King James Version. Daniel 10. Let me give you a little setup. Daniel, for about 70 years, has been held captive in a land not his own. He was taken when he was a young boy to a place and he was forced to be educated in a system that didn't believe in God. Ever heard of a system like that before? A system that didn't believe in God, a society that rejected God, a society that dismissed God, a society that had its own gods, a society that had its own perversions, a society that made him follow and walk in their ways. They made him be in the education system. They made him be in the healthcare system. They made him be in the social system. They made him be in the government system. He's working right in the middle of it and God is gonna use him in the middle of all that. Not the place anybody wants to be, but it's the place when God puts you there, you seek him in it and he uses you in it. And Daniel's been in it for about 70 years at this point we're gonna look at today. And God's used him. God's protected him, God's blessed him, God's shown him some things, and God preserved every story about him helped for us in this word right here. So Daniel chapter 10, we enter a point where Daniel's a little bit older, and he has been praying for some time now because his people had walked in disobedience. His own nation had turned away. And when they had turned away, God allowed a foreign nation to come in and take over that's often what happens, you know, in history. It happened in the scripture and it's still happening today. When a people who belong to the Lord turn their backs on him, God will bring a tool for discipline against and for them and it's often another group of people so that the people of God would turn their hearts back to him and seek him and that's what Daniel's been praying. So we get to Daniel chapter 10 which follows Daniel chapter 9. In 9, Daniel, get this, Daniel was reading his Bible in chapter 9. It says he was reading from the prophet Jeremiah. Daniel's reading some of the same words that you and I can read. And as he reads those words, he finds that more judgment is coming. There's more pain and suffering coming. His people had begun to start to repent, but it hadn't been much. And Daniel was grieved over it. Daniel chapter 10, it says this, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, he kind of sets the historical marker here. He says he was under a rule where the king of Persia was there. Cyrus was the king. And he said, in that time, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. You see, the social public system in that day, the godless system in that day, made him take another name. They made him go by this name. They didn't want him to maintain his name because it had a God heritage to it. They gave him a different name. It says the message was true, but the appointed time was long and he understood the message and he had understanding of the vision. Daniel's not trying to boast. Daniel's just saying, I got a message from the Lord because I was reading in Jeremiah. I didn't get just some random thing. God spoke to me. He spoke to me through his word and he told me that judgment was coming, that more suffering was coming and it was difficult. It was going to be painful. And it was going to be long. And Daniel says, it was hard to hear, but I understood it. Verse two, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Daniel says, I read these words and it's, it just, it hurt. It hurt for me to hear what was coming because 
He knew his own people had been disobedient and they were going to face trouble. And Daniel is in mourning. He's sorrowful. He's sad. He's upset. And it says for three full weeks this went on. How many days is three full weeks? 21. 21 days this went on for Daniel. 21 days. I'm saying that for emphasis sake. Remember that number. Verse 3. Daniel says, I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. It was a custom in the day to anoint yourself with oil that was perfumed. Uh, we might think of cologne or taking a shower or something like that. Daniel says three weeks, not me. When Daniel went out in public during those three weeks, you knew it. A dude, he stinketh, Right? Three full weeks, <clears throat> he said he did not anoint himself at all. He stayed in this posture of, of deep mourning and prayer and fasting, calling out to God, calling out to God for mercy, calling out to God for answers, calling out to God. And 21 days go by and he's not getting any answers. He said, I did this so three whole weeks were fulfilled. How many days is three whole weeks? 21 21 days this went by. Daniel's not getting an answer to his prayer. Have you ever prayed before and not got the answer you were looking for? Have you ever prayed and not heard God? Have you ever prayed and wondered, God, where'd you go? Have you ever prayed and not heard the response? Not heard anything. Heaven's silent. Time goes by and nothing's happening. 21 days this is happening for Daniel. And this guy, this guy's close to the Lord. This guy, back up a couple of chapters, has had Gabriel, the angel, come and talk to him. This man has heard God. This man has spoken for God. This man has seen God do great things. But now, 21 days go by and he hasn't heard a thing. Verse 4. Now, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked. And behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of euphaz. His body was like beryl. His face was like the appearance of lightning. His eyes like torches of fire. His arms and feet like burnished bronze in color. And the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. Daniel seeing somebody that is not like anybody he had seen before. This guy, this person, this being here is bright. He's massive. His eyes, when he looks at you, they're like fire. And when his voice speaks, it's like being in a stadium of 50, 80,000 people all yelling at once. This man, when he speaks, it's like a multitude. This person, this being is not like anyone else that Daniel had seen. Verse 7, and I, Daniel alone saw the vision for the men who were with me did not see the vision but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves we don't know exactly what they saw what they heard but they did not see what Daniel saw sometimes God will speak to you and tell you something that the person next to you won't see or hear don't let the fact that the person next to you looks at you crazy 
stop you from believing that's what God is saying to you. Amen. Just because you, you, you don't have uh, crowd approval, just because you don't get a bunch of likes on that post you post, don't think, well, that must not have been God. No, it's God if it's based on his word. It's God if it's based on his spirit. It doesn't matter what the crowd says, what the friends say, or even what the family says. If God speaks to you, you believe it and you hold to it. And this is what Daniel does. They all ran away. Sometimes a crowd will do that. Verse 8, therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Daniel is laid out. The brilliance of this figure in front of him, the message, the glory of this, totally causes him to be undone. Verse 9, yet... I heard the sound of his words. And while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Daniel is just almost like passed out. He's in prayer and he's passionately crying out and he's down on the ground and God's speaking to him. Verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. He's able to just muster a little bit of strength and get up. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Daniel's undone by the sight, but then he is just overwhelmed by the fact that this figure says, I have been sent to you. I have come with a message specifically for you. And what I have to say, Daniel, is for you. And he stands there trembling at how personal this message is. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Sometimes you might think, God didn't hear. Trust me, he hears. He hears his people. He hears you when you cry out. You might not get the response in the time you thought. You might not get the response in the way that you thought, but he hears his people. And this figure tells Daniel, he has heard your words. And he says at the end of verse 12, and I have come because of your words. I'm here because you prayed. I'm here because you asked and the day you set your heart to understand, I was sent. There are so many implications for this today. When you set your heart to seek the Lord and you pray, remember, heaven moves. Heaven moves, whether you recognize it initially or not. This angelic figure said to Daniel, 
The moment you started asking and started praying, I was sent to you. The moment that it happened, I was sent. I'm sure Daniel's thinking, that's awesome. Why have I been here 21 days suffering then? Hello? If you were sent 21 days ago, did your car break down? Did you take a bus that had to make stops along the way? Did the Uber driver get lost? What happened? Verse 13, we're about to get a view behind the scenes. You're about to see some things that perhaps you had never read in your Bible before. You're about to hear something that just might rock your world a little bit. Verse 13, because the angel said, I came because of your words, but he says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, in other words, a demonic figure who had been assigned to the region of Persia. It says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me, let's read it together, 21 days. Dude, are you serious? Daniel prays. The angel says, I moved the moment you prayed because I was sent to you. But on my way to you, which should have just happened like that, he said, I was stopped by another figure. I was stopped by the prince of Persia, a demonic figure who has jurisdiction over a region of geographic field. This prince withstood the angel 21 days. He says, and behold, in other words, look, dude, he says, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision refers to many days yet to come. This angel says, I was alone and the prince of Persia resisted me. I had to seek God and he had to send Michael, a greater angel, to come and assist so that I could break free and get to you. And it took me 21 days of warfare to get from there to here because of the resistance that I had, because of the warfare that was happening in the heavens. But when Daniel prayed, the heavens began to move. There was a prince of Persia in place and he was controlling the region. But when Daniel, a man on earth, prayed, God sent an angel to come. This demon resisted him. And for 21 days, Daniel was struggling. Daniel was suffering. Daniel 
was mourning. Daniel was not seeing answers. Daniel was emotional. Daniel was frustrated. Daniel kept praying. Daniel kept believing. And 21 days went by with Daniel in agony. And what Daniel didn't know was that all the while he was praying for 21 days, he was igniting spiritual warfare in the heavenlies. And that warfare was causing his prayers to not be answered as timely. But Daniel kept believing. He didn't say, you know, I prayed one day when I went down to the church and nothing happened, so I just gave up. No, if that would have been the story, we wouldn't be reading this story today. But Daniel kept on persevering, kept on in prayer for 21 days, even when he didn't see an answer, he kept praying. And then God said, now I'm going to tell you why. There are prayers that you and I have been praying for a long time and are praying right now that are going to take some more time because when you and I are praying, we're igniting a war in heaven and it's going to take some time and the longer time it takes is an indicator of an even greater warfare taking place. So when you're praying for that situation, your family that just can't seem to get resolved, know this. Your praying has moved heaven. And there could very well just be some warfare taking place because there's some forces that have entrenched themselves in that person or that situation's life. And you're going to have to keep on persevering in prayer because God is moved by your prayers. Heaven is moved by your prayers. Are you weirded out this morning already at all this? Hey, I know this is not typical Sunday morning preaching, but this is not typical church. Amen. Look here, the Bible tells us that God has given us angels. And they're not just cute, chubby, little arrow shooters that sit on clouds. They are warriors. They are majestic. They are powerful. That description we saw there of, of an angelic type being, whoo, mercy alive. They're powerful. They're alive. And scripture tells us why God gave them. This has been a new understanding for me. Check out this verse from Hebrews. And they, or are they not all ministering spirits, referring to angels, sent forth to minister for the salvation, or for those who will inherit salvation? Let me read that one more time because if you're not careful, you'll miss that yellow word. For are they not all ministering spirits? Angels are spirits. Look here. They are not your departed loved ones. Angels have been created by God. You don't become an angel when you die. You are a spirit who goes to be with the Lord if you are saved, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. But there is a class of beings called angels. And this verse tells us that they are ministering spirits, in other words, serving spirits, they have a purpose, they have a role to accomplish, and they serve the Lord. But it says, are they not sent forth, just like this angel was sent forth, to minister, to serve for those who will inherit salvation? Who are those who will inherit salvation? Us. Let's back it up. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us? Not to, not 
near, but for, on behalf of. God has created angels for the purpose of serving part of your prayers and intentions that he has for you. And they are unleashed and sent when we pray. Now are you weirded out? It's going to be a morning of weirded out. I can just promise you that already. I I hope this is challenging you. I hope this weirds you out to the point that you say, I'm going to have to go home and read my Bible. Check this out. That would be an amazing thing. You go look at it. If you find something different, come tell me. I want to hear. I want to discuss it with you. I believe you're going to find this is true, that God has given angels on behalf or for his people for their protection over us, for their moving in our life. Angels. And Daniel 10 shows us this picture. It shows us that when Daniel prayed, he did move heaven. And Daniel experienced this reality because this angelic figure tells him this. I was sent to you. Sent. A ministering spirit sent to you for you, to come communicate with you, to protect you, to lead to God. I'm here on God's behalf. And when you and I pray, God in his sovereignty has chosen that that would be part of the way that he unleashes his angelic powers to go to battle. Amen? All right. So, the New Testament We live on the New Testament side of the Bible, which I'm grateful for, because the New Testament describes this situation. Ephesians 6 tells us something about uh, what we are at war with. And Ephesians 6 tells us, let me just kind of read the beginning of this verse. And I'm going to draw some stuff on the board, and we're going to have some fun. It's going to be awesome. Ephesians 6. I, don't have the, I do have the verses on screen for this one. Let's walk through this. Ephesians 6. Let's look at this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Pause. Our wrestling today is not with a political party. Our wrestling today is not with a government agency. Our wrestling today is not with that family member that is just... Everybody's got one in their family, right? Our wrestling today is not with your employer. Our wrestling today is not over or with our two taxes or whatever. That's not what our wrestling is. Our wrestling is not with flesh and blood. It's not with entities that you can look at in the face here on earth. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. We do war. We wrestle against principalities and powers. Now, the New Testament is clear about this idea, and it says, first, we wrestle against principalities. This is what Daniel was experiencing, because Daniel was experiencing this idea that on earth... There are geographic regions. And on earth, there are nations. On earth, there are states. On earth, there are locations. And based on what this angel said to Daniel, he was going to come to him. He said, but I was resisted by the prince of Persia, the principality over a geographic region. 
So over a specific area, these principalities have power. They have the ability to influence. They have the ability to speak. They have the ability to control. And it's true across the world. There are principalities assigned to our nation. The demonic realm is shaped in a hierarchy. Satan has seek to duplicate, copy what God has established in the angelic world. And so he has put together principalities. There are certain demonic forces who are given to certain regions, to our country, to other countries around the world. And their job is to influence for evil that country. And they got that because the people in that country surrendered their will to those spirits. They surrendered to those spirits of godlessness. They surrendered to those spirits of selfishness. They surrendered to those spirits of evil, of hatred, of bitterness. And those principalities seek to control. And they do control. If you keep reading on in Daniel 10, uh, he says, um, there's going to be another war. He says with the, the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece. He, kinda, he pulls the curtain back and says, you don't think this is the only place of spiritual warfare, Daniel. There's more. There's a lot more. In effect, he says, this is all I have time to tell you about right now, though. So principalities. But Ephesians says, not just principalities, but there's also powers. Interesting word here. It's, um, it's a word that means um, like authorities or um, those who have rule within a nation, governmental figures, influencers, people. They are powers that are in place. They are authorities. And there are demons assigned to them to seek to influence them. Acts chapter 13 tells the story of an encounter with an evil spirit who says, I was assigned to the proconsul to keep him from believing the truth. Look, every governmental leader that exists has a demon assigned to them that seeks to bring about their demise, to influence them, to control them, to deceive them. Doesn't mean that every one of them falls for that, but many of them do. And we see the fruit of that. Amen? Principalities, powers, but that's not all. Paul goes on and says, we wrestle not about, or, or not just with flesh and blood, but we wrestle with principalities. We wrestle with powers. We also wrestle with rulers, he says. Now, the wording he uses here is the wording that suggests rulers of the darkness of this age. That's what he says in the New King James Version. Rulers who have influence in this age. And they do so through deceptive philosophies. 
through teachings, through false religions, through beliefs and ideas. And these demons are given that assignment to deceive in that way. So for example, today we are seeing philosophical movements that are demon-induced. And the, the people around the world today just say, oh no, those are just political battles we're facing. Look here, abortion is not a political battle. Abortion is a spiritual battle. It is a battle that says, God, you are not God of my life. And you are not God of life. I determine what I want to do and I will not have anyone control me. That is a spiritual battle. That's not political, that's not governmental, that's not social, that's spiritual. It's a resistance to God. The whole perversion of homosexuality, transgenderism, that is not a political matter. That is not a social matter. That is a spiritual matter that has been called a political matter. But it's a spiritual matter because it also is a rejection of God's design that says, here's how God has made me. Here's how God creates life. And it's meant to reveal his glory. It's meant to reveal his goodness. It's meant to reveal his pattern for life. And when you stand against that and say, no, I will not have you rule over my life, then you open yourself to all kinds of distortion and perversion and rulers of the darkness of this age. And where they infiltrate is through the voices of the culture. They infiltrate through media, through education, through entertainment, through the news industry. They, enter, they move in through education. They move into all these areas because they are seeking to propagate their philosophy, their beliefs. False religions today, those are not political issues. Those are spiritual issues. Critical race theory today is not an education issue or a political issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's a resistance of God's design. Socialism is a rejection of God's design for freedom in the soul, freedom for the individual. It's a spiritual issue and not a political issue. And the church must get square on this deal and not be afraid to speak out about spiritual issues. This is not political. This is spiritual at roots. And this spirit is hard at work in our country and around the world. And you can attempt to wrestle all day long with some person who wants to advocate for the position. You can seek to change a government, change a teacher, change a person. I'm telling you, the battle is not against flesh and blood. And until we, the church, recognize we're going to have to do a whole lot more than just vote right and say right, we're going to have to start learning to pray right because the battle is here. This is where the battle is. And we often turn here last instead of turning here first because we don't know how to pray with this kind of boldness. 1 Timothy 4.1 says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Seen that? They will give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. People don't depart from the faith because they all of a sudden saw some kind of rational thought that they've never seen before. 
I read the posts of people that I once knew to be believing followers of Jesus, and some of the stuff they say today about Christianity, I'm just like, what, what happened? What happened to you? How did you just completely invert what you used to be, what you used to say, how you used to walk? How did that happen? It's because somewhere along the way, a seducing, deceiving spirit spoke to them and they bought it. They were hurt by some church. They were hurt by some Christian figure in their life and their spirit changed and opened them up to deception and principalities and powers and rulers. And Paul says, there's one other group that we wrestle against. He calls them spiritual hosts. He says there is a, another group of demonic influences, and they, they are more personal in nature. These others, they have jurisdiction over states and geographic areas and nations, these, they have jurisdiction over leaders. These have jurisdiction over those who buy into their philosophical false religious movements. But there are some evil influences that are the spiritual hosts of wickedness. They come in to individuals and they do their dirty work. They deceive with a spirit of stubbornness, a spirit of bitterness, a spirit of revenge. And those are spirits. You recognize that, right? You know what I'm talking about? If someone ever walked into a room and you're like, dude, something's off with that guy. Something is going on with this woman. And if you stop and just listen to their words and sense, you'll recognize they've got a spirit of anger. They've got a spirit of bitterness. They've got a spirit of greed. They've got a spirit of depression. They've got a spirit of insecurity. They've got a spirit of lust. Those are spirit matters that are influenced by demonic forces. And as the church, our role is to speak truth, pray bold, and see individuals set free from these spirits that bind them and hold them and control them. And that's what we are seeing here, even at Vertical. The church is not just about educating. That's part of it, helping people see truth. The church is not just about having a religious service. That's not it at all. We're, help, we're here to help people be set free, captives set free. Jesus said he had come to set the captives free. But that puts us in a place as believers where we're called to pray in a way that's different than maybe we have in the past. Paul would go on later in 2 Corinthians and say, when we pray, we've been given weapons. We've been given power. We've been given responsibility to pray. And 2 Corinthians 10 goes on and it said, we're called to pull down strongholds. We are called to cast down imaginations 
and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. What's happening in our nation today is not just political. What's happening in our nation today is not just social. What's happening in our nation today is spiritual. If that was the end of the story, I'd be pretty discouraged today. But look, you and I have been given the weapons. We've been given the power and the responsibility to pray. And when we do, heaven moves. It moved for Daniel, and it moves every time we pray. And when a church rallies together and prays, there's even greater movement. So I, I'm driving toward a place over this next two months where we learn to pray different than we've ever prayed before. We pray bold. We ask God for what he's promised. We believe him for what he's promised. And we pray against spirits that hold family members captive. We pray against spirits that hold this community in some ways captive because we want to see captives set free. We pray against principalities that hold a stranglehold on our nation and until we pray them down and ask God to move them and we pray and we fast and we seek and we stay persistent and we keep praying and we keep believing, we won't see a change happen in our nation. But when we do, God moves heaven and earth on our behalf. Amen? Amen. So, I would ask you, would you join me to pray today for our land? Would you stand with me? I will voice our prayer, but I want you to pray with boldness. I want you to pray in the spirit of truth. And I want you to commit to a spirit of persistence today on behalf of our land. Because this land was given to us by forefathers who trusted in God Almighty. This land was given to us and a government formed and orchestrated based on the principles of the Bible. This land was put together and orchestrated so that it might be a people and a place who glorified Jesus Christ at every level, in the home, in the family, in education, in business, in government, and to our outreach to those beyond our nation. So I want to pray for a spirit of revival to come. I want to pray for spirits to be cast down and bound from our land. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you based on your word today. You have said to come boldly to your throne of grace that we might find strength to help in our time of need. So, Father, we're coming today. We come boldly because of the blood of Jesus. We don't come because of anything we have done, earned, or because of our own righteous behavior. We come because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ given to us as a gift. We come because of the blood of Jesus' sacrifice paid for our sins. We come because you have told us to come. So we come boldly into your presence today. We're grateful for that opportunity. We come repenting for our past sins, acknowledging that we have not been faithful in prayer. We have not been passionate in seeking you. We have given up. We have trusted in ourselves. 
We've been weak. We've been held captive. We've been tossed by fear. We've been held back with anxiety. But today, we come boldly to your throne to speak truth and believe what you say, that when we ask, you hear, and we will receive what we ask for. So for today, we ask based on your word. We don't ask for our own personal agenda. We ask on behalf of your glory and your word. God, I pray for a spirit of revival to come to our land today, that a spirit of righteousness would come, that your word would be true that says righteousness exalts a nation. God, I pray for that more than anything. I pray for righteousness to come to our nation more than uh, political victory in our nation. I pray for righteousness to come to our nation, a spirit of repentance that turns away from sin, a spirit of repentance that turns away from selfishness, a spirit of repentance that seeks you and trusts you alone, for you are true and you are good. God, I thank you that in our day, you are exposing what has been covered. You are revealing lies that have been spoken. You are revealing the secret things that have gone on behind the scenes, and you are bringing about victory today. We believe that because your word promises that. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus today, because of the blood of Jesus, because of the power of the Spirit within us today, we ask you to bind the spirit of rebellion that has come upon our land today, that rebels against you. We ask you to bind him, to cut him off, to remove him, so that that spirit, that area that would seek to control and dominate our world, that spirit that is evil, that is against you, would be cut off and have no more voice in our land. God, we pray against the spirit of resistance to your spirit in this land, even of believers who have resisted to trust in you, to those who have resisted to yield their full life. We pray against that spirit today. God, we pray against the spirit of death that's on our land today that would seek to murder those, that would seek to murder innocent babies. We pray against that spirit today, that principality that has our land captive today. We stand against it in the blood and the power of Jesus today. God, we stand against the spirit of slavery that wants to enslave the weak and the poor and those who are ignorant today, who are walking in their own devices. God, we pray against that spirit today. We pray against the spirit of immorality that wants to bring division in marriages. We pray against that spirit of perversion that wants to twist the design that you have made for strong men and faithful women. We pray against all of that today in the name of Jesus. We pray against the spirit of hopelessness, the spirit of fear that keeps people bound with anxiety, that keeps people bound in condemnation and terror of what's ahead. We pray against the spirit of religion that keeps people compartmentalizing their faith away from their life. Be gone, you spirit that is evil. Be gone, you spirit that keeps believers living compartmentalized, selfish lives, weak lives, trusting in themselves alone. We pray against the spirit of hate and lies that seek to bring division between the races in our land, that, speak to, that seek to bring division between social classes in our land. Lord, that is an evil spirit. We pray against it today that the blood of Jesus would overcome it, that there would be a spirit of repentance and love demonstrated by the church today and spread across this land. We pray against spirit of accusation and fear that keep the church silent, that keep the church withdrawn, that keep the church from speaking out. God, I pray that that spirit would be bound and in its place would be a spirit of boldness, a spirit of courage, a spirit of righteousness and of truth that will speak out regardless of what others say, regardless of what friends might say, regardless of what family might say, that we might stand in the truth of your word. Father, we pray all this in the recognition that there is no weapon formed against us that will prosper. 
We pray all this in the strength and the awareness that though the gates of hell might rally themselves against us, though that they might try to stop us in every way, that nothing can separate us from you, nothing can stop the church, and that even the gates of hell will not stand against us. So we stand in that truth today, Father. We stand in boldness today. We stand in power. We stand obedient to you as the church, and we will pray bold as a church. We will now pray bold as families, and we will pray bold as individuals, for we have been given the power to wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of weaknesses, and we can't wait to see victory come about. We can't wait to see captives set free and life change because you moved heaven and earth. We pray this all in the majestic, powerful, victorious, glorious name of Jesus our Lord. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. All right, this is how it starts. I pray that these thoughts would fill your mind as you celebrate our day of independence this weekend, that you might stand strong. No spirit will overpower you. We might pray differently because of all of this. Amen? Amen. So the way we close here at Verticals, I say lift them up and you say live them out. It all takes on new meaning now, doesn't it? Let's do this. Lift them up and amen. Blessings to you.